0: The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Right now, I get to talk with actress, singer, and songwriter, Margot Seibert. And to tell you a little bit about her, she is most known for her performances as Adrian in the Broadway musical Rocky. Rocky also for originating the role of Jane in Broadway's In Transit. The Wall Street Journal called her a superior singer, and she was called Wide-Eyed and Soulful by the New York Daily News. Margot Sybert has released her debut album, 77th Street, which has not only covers of a variety of songs ranging from Michael McDonald, Joni Mitchell, and Nirvana, as well as four original songs. So, Ms. Seibert, thank you so much for joining us. Of
1: course, Paul. Thank you for having me.
0: Our pleasure. So, what was the impetus? What was the inspiration behind you deciding to release a debut album?
1: That's a great question. I had, um, I've always wanted to make an album. I've been singing since I was very young, but... I didn't really know exactly when that would happen or um, or how that would happen. So uh, over the last few years, I've started to write my own music um, which has been um, very exciting and vulnerable and working with my band over the last uh, few years on it, I realized, okay, you know, I think that this is the time. I have about, about half the album is, are my own songs and um Thematically, I wanted to pay tribute on this album to what I what I like to call the in-betweens, the times when we are, especially for artists in between jobs, looking for the next gig, trying to figure out what we're going to do. And then, of course, like on a wider note, we all have these times that I feel like as humans, we're a little uncomfortable with what's the next job. Um, what's the next part of my life? Trying to forecast, trying to figure it out, and so I wanted this album to happen um, during one of those periods in my life, and I was uh, looking for work and trying to figure out what was next, and it kind of felt like what was next was going to be this, this kind of this musical undertaking, this
0: album. It's something I've always wondered about, which you were just mentioning. I would go see a great show a play or a musical, and then I would say, I would see, you know, Thursday is the last performance of this show. What does that feel like when you're at something for such a long time and then that comes to an end?
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, it's definitely a, a life adjustment. I think you, as you continue to do shows, um, I don't necessarily think it gets easier, but you get used to it. Sometimes, you know, when that ending date is going to be. And then sometimes for many Broadway shows, they um, can open and have years and years and years of a run, or they can be open for a week or a month and then that's it. And then the next day you get on the subway and you go to your audition and you, and, and you start the process in in many ways all over again. So it's just about, I think, having a network and a community where, at least, you know, in a theater community, we all understand that is what it is. And so you just try to be as generous as possible with each other because, um, yeah, you never know when you're going to be uh, looking, looking again. But, you know, it's inevitable.
0: <laughs> I asked one stage actor, do you miss the actors that you work with when the show is over? He said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: Well, maybe that wasn't a good experience for him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you?
1: Well, I think I think it can obviously it can totally depend on the project. But I I think one of the coolest things about theater is that you create all of these families and networks. And Um, and yes, sometimes when you're living with him for years, you go through all those beautiful, um, highs and lows, like you would with your own family, you know, oh, he always complains about this or, oh, she's always like this or whatever, you know? And, um, but I think that also that, that is a, a love, like a family. I think the interesting thing is that because we say goodbye so often in this career, um, It's not like you wake up the next morning and you're like, what do I do without these people? You're probably going to see them at an audition, you know, in a week or two. So there's a different kind of missing. It's like we all are a family. We created this thing in time together and then we move on. But we always have that. It's a very very interesting dynamic, I think.
0: (laughs) So this album, and it's called 77th Street. I don't know if there's ever been an album that had a Nirvana song, and a Rodgers and Hammerstein song. <laughs> the same album.
1: Yeah, that's a good point, Paul. That's a great point, yeah.
0: How did you go about selecting not the songs that from your own writing, but the covers? How did you mm-hmm. choose them?
1: Yeah, so I grew up listening to such an eclectic mix of music, which I loved. My father had a cover band. Um, we heard all sorts of, of music. There was always either like jazz on the record player or, or, you know, the police or Miami sound machine or um, count Basie. So, and then there was also some, some country in there. So um, I, I have this, all of my playlists, my own musical taste is very eclectic and I wanted to First and foremost, honor this theme of the in between, of um, of picking music that spans generations and genres, but all deals with um, that not knowing. And the Rodgers and Hammerstein, it might as well be spring, is this this wonderful. I love the the storytelling in that song because you're feeling like it should be a different time of year. I am feeling spring-like. I am feeling, you know, movement and joy and rebirth and spring. And like, I'm at odds with what's currently going on in my life. It's this this very much in-between that she talks about, um, like this melancholy feeling. Um, and then also uh, when I'm, the, the Joni songs or the... Um, Tears for Fears or the Doobie Brothers, also all dealing with some kind of not knowing. So to me, musically, I wanted to make sure that within the album, there, there's some vocal looping, there's electronic elements that bring a full circle to the musical landscape of the album so that although the song choices and these covers were eclectic, that you would still get a full through line in terms of in a listening experience.
0: I really thought that the cover of What a Fool Believes was really interesting.
1: Tell, tell me more.
0: Oh, I just, I just liked it. I mean, <laughs> first of all, I think that of all of the vocals that Michael McDonald ever did, I, I always go back to that one. I think that that one's great. But it's just cool. I never would have thought of a woman singing it, but I'm glad.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I love that song. It actually was one of the songs, uh, the first dance my husband and I had at our wedding because it's such a jam. (laughs) And I never tire of singing it. I have a phenomenal MD, um, our music director, Ted Firth, who is one of the best jazz pianists I've ever encountered. And he loved that song as well. So we were really trying to honor the song Um, it's such a good one and also add a little bit of a spin to it and i was really really happy to get a chance to cover that one
0: have you ever met michael mcdonald
1: not yet i think he was just the beacon i think he might be in town
0: he is just one of the absolute nicest guys
1: oh that's wonderful to hear that's so (laughs) great
0: very sweet Working our way over to your songs, I'm hoping you can tell us about the yes. inspiration behind make up your mind
2: mm,
1: absolutely so make up your Mind is the first track on the album, and um it was a particular period in my life where i was i was living in brooklyn i uh, i I was at the end of um some work. So I was going to be out of work. My relationship was ending. I was, you know, really uh, in many ways in between. And I needed to, I had this, this, um, this moment with myself where I just needed to make the decision to move forward. Am I going to stay? Am I going to be fearful and stay maybe in a, in a relationship that I didn't need to stay in? Um, or was I going to take, you know, a, a, a bold step forward, and and step into the unknown, and and make a lot of changes. So that um, there's a little bit of comedy in there at the end of the song, but it was like, you know what? You're old enough now. We got to make these decisions. We got to move forward, and we got to do it stat. <laughs> so that's the uh, inspiration for "Make Up Your Mind."
0: Well, with your permission, we'll play the song.
1: Great, please. <laughs>
2: East River, there's a sunny spot alone Where the breeze smells of cardamom And my tears never stop And even though I've since claimed The perfect patch of sky
0: So, tell us about the inspiration behind Whitman.
1: Absolutely. So, Whitman is a song that I wrote for my sister, who very unexpectedly passed away in her early 20s. And (laughs) grieving is a terrible thing. I mean, it's a thing that we all need to be better at <laughs> because it will inevitably happen to all of us that will, will grieve someone that we love. But it took me a few years to try to figure out, you know, what was I going to do? How was I going to pick my life back up again? And also to articulate that grief and what, I mean, what better way than through art, but I, was inspired by a, a Walt Whitman poem that I read, which is, uh, what is the grass? And he had this part of the poem where he said, and to die is different than what anyone supposed and luckier. And it was an incredibly helpful thing for me to read because I was very sad. And I also, um, I feel like the poem gave me this moment of going, okay, maybe I'm viewing this in a narrow way, maybe to die is luckier than I know because I haven't yet experienced it. (laughs) And I had this this melody that kept kind of haunting me and coming to me. And, and I realized that it needed to be a song that in order to honor Megan, I I needed to kind of write this song. And it, it took me a few years, to figure out exactly how to do that. And I'm so grateful for it now. I'm very proud of the song. And I also feel like it's a tribute to her. And every time that I get to sing it, it's a healing thing. And I I get to say hello to her again. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy with Whitman.
2: Began to plan my funeral In times of stress O'Donohue and Whitman Would be my best friends Please pass the cake Wake and bake Meet me in the garden Or oh, I'd be the best party planner Without a date set yet where did you go left me searching over the rainbow we're all exposed said my goodbyes didn't cry oh, I urge you to do the same courts and the jade bat parade take your mementos all I ask is that you speak my name
0: That was an excerpt of the song Whitman for Margot Sabert's debut album, 77th Street. Are you a big reader? Are you a big reader? A big reader?
1: Yes, I try to be. I think right now I'm actually, um, I'm leaning up quite heavily on poetry right now. Some Mary Oliver and John O'Donohue and, and Rilke, because I feel like, there's so much going on right now in this country that can really get you down. And, um, and I'm finding a lot of solace in, in, in poetry.
0: So what's your process when you're writing something? How do you do that?
1: (laughs) That's a great question. I, I don't actually, um, I don't play play uh, the piano. I don't play guitar. So it's, I think that's why actually songwriting didn't happen for me until, um, only a few years ago because I felt, well, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how to do this. So, so maybe it's not for me. And, um, so when I am writing, it's a lot of, um, it's a lot of me and garage band. And so I did an acapella musical, um, a few years ago on Broadway and, uh, and Deke Sharon, who, who is an incredible arranger. I think he kind of, he taught me that I kind of just need my, uh, my voice to create music. So I will layer, you know, eight, 10 different vocal tracks. Um, and I will kind of make a, okay, well, I think this is the baseline or this might be, you know, what the, what we could use in percussion all, all vocally. Or or finding loops that I enjoy. And, um, and then I'll take it to my band and I'll say, like, this is the outline of the song. Can you help me flesh this out? And then we'll work together to to make it into a, a full piece. So it's a very collaborative process by, by choice and by necessity in a way.
0: So what do you hope somebody gets out of the experience of listening to this album, 77th Street?
1: That's a great question. I'm really hoping that, I'm hoping that people hopefully listen to the full album because it was uh, important to me. I I love listening to albums in their entirety, and I know that that there's a different way now uh, in terms of consuming music more as singles or EPs. But it was really important to me to have a very eclectic mix of music and a mix of music that. There's really a lot of storytelling going on that you feel this pull, um, this in-between moment, this not knowing, and that can be super exhilarating in terms of um, like something's coming from West Side Story, or it can be more of a a harder process in terms of Whitman and and grieving and not necessarily being exactly where you want to be yet. So I'm hoping that people really enjoy the the mix of influences on the album and that they have kind of a full cathartic experience. Or if they just want to jam out to what a fool believes, that's a okay as well.
0: What is the best thing about being Margot?
1: Oh, (laughs) wow. I don't think I've ever received this question. The best thing about being Margot... I feel like I'm very, very grateful that I wait. When I wake up every day, I feel like Margot has a lot of child in her. And I strive to walk through this world with a lot of amazement because it is pretty amazing to be here and to get the opportunity to to sing that joy and sing that experience. So I'm going to go with childlike amazement. Hmm.
0: <laughs> what was it like portraying Adrian in Rocky, the Broadway?
1: Yeah, it was, in- it was incredible. That was my very, that was my Broadway debut and to make a Broadway debut as a, a leading lady was astounding and sometimes I still can't believe that it happened. Oh, I think when most people hear of Rocky as a musical, as I did, I um rolled my eyes and thought it was kind of a ludicrous idea. And um and then it it happened and it and it came into my life and I was the right fit for Adrian at that moment and and I loved it. I mean, it's a piece that's so near and dear to so many people and a movie that holds up. I actually just Watched it uh, a few weeks ago, and it's it's such a beautiful, simple, quiet film, and that actually lent itself to adding a a musical landscape quite well. And I, she's such a a sad character, a very um, self conscious woman that gets really to blossom and come into her own. And I think in a lot of ways, I was able to do that with my own confidence in portraying her not knowing what this broadway process was going to be like and and learning and gaining confidence and really coming into my own through the process of of portraying adrian and rocky
0: i always like to end my interviews i let the guests just take the stage so not just limited to music you could go anywhere you wanted what would you say to anyone who's listening in
1: I would say anyone who's listening in, I think it's so important to remember that we each have something so unique and authentic about ourselves to offer. And I, I think of that often when I when I'm auditioning or making something and I'm comparing myself to others. Oh, okay, well this is popular now or oh, she had great success. So let me try to sound like her. And I, I think personally, I spent a lot of time, I don't know if it's wasted time, but a lot of time trying to sound like other people and to mirror others because I felt like, oh, that's, that'll help me. That'll be successful. And it it inevitably wasn't. It it was when I kind of surrendered and laid that down and brought what I have to offer my, uh, my own experience, my unique sound. Some people love it. Some people will hate it. And when I'm able to really be truthful to that and not apologize for that, I have found the most doors open and the, that people end up saying yes, because they're excited about what you uniquely have to offer. And I I think I would say to anyone who's listening to, to try and And remember that when you're bringing what you have to offer into this world. Like, people need it. People want to hear you.
0: Wow. Great answer.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: (laughs) For anyone who's tuned in, you can visit the website, www.margosabert.com, S-E-I-B-E-R-T. And there's links there to the Instagram, the Twitter They can listen to the music. Thank you so much for spending time with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for this interview and, and for your great questions. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. Have a wonderful day. I appreciate it. You too. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at The Paul Leslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.